I'm Ben Forrest. I'm Polly Gill. And I'm Alyssa Mendel. And this is Chordscast. Created by the team at the Coordination of Rare Diseases at Sanford, or CORDS for short, which is a rare disease registry working to tie together patients and researchers, no matter their condition and no matter where they are in the world. In these episodes, you'll hear interviews with scientists, physicians, rare disease patients, and advocates, along with updates on our registry and ways that you can get involved. Let's get started. Welcome to a very exciting episode on the Chords Cast. Today we're doing things a little different. I actually have two guests with me today, and we're going to talk about recruiting to patient registries. This tends to be a very hot topic in the rare disease community about how can we get people recruited to the registry? How can we let them know the importance of recruiting to the registry? So I'm really excited today. I have two guests with me. Um, they they're going to share all of the pains and tips and everything that comes along with recruiting to a patient registry. So I have Allison Peck from CureVCP Disease Inc. and Sophia Zilber from the Cure Mito Foundation. And I just have to say, I get the privilege of working very closely with both of these two as they are both partners with the CORDS registry here at Sanford Research. So, Allison, to get us started, could you introduce yourself and maybe your role at the foundation that you work for, or work with, I should say? Yes, yeah, sure. Hi, I'm Allison. Um, I, my husband actually has VCP disease, which is a uh, neuromuscular condition that also has um, FTD components and Hodgkin's disease components. It's a super rare um, disease. And uh, we started the patient advocacy organization in 2018. And the first things that we did was to start off a patient registry. Um, my husband and I did. And my, my role, is, I'm actually the treasurer. And I also do, um, so I'm a board, founding board member um, and also do the website. And I work on a lot of different projects behind the scenes. Awesome. Thank you for that. And Sophia, could you introduce yourself and just a little bit about your foundation too? Sure. Um, Alisa, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm Sophia Zilber. I'm a board member in the patient registry director for Cure Mito Foundation. Cure Mito Foundation focuses on advancement of research for Lay syndrome. Lay syndrome is a type of mitochondrial disease and uh, my newborn daughter died from this disease five years ago, which is why it's very meaningful for me to do this. And I should add that professionally, I actually work in pharmaceutical industry and I work on data analysis. And so this is really what I'm doing with the registry really goes along very well with what I normally do uh, at my work too. Yeah, well, thank you again for both of that. And, you know, you all host rare disease registries with cords, like I mentioned before here at Sanford, and you're very passionate about recruiting to the registry. And recruitment to the registries, patient registries, it's a hot topic, I feel like. I hear about it all of the time. 
Um, and you guys also do, I feel like, such a great job at getting your community involved and participating in the registry. So today I just want to talk about, you know, have a discussion on some hurdles that come up or pains when recruiting to the registry and how you guys overcome these and what has worked well for your organizations and what hasn't. So I think to get us started, you know, Allison or Sophia, really, both of you I want to hear from, um, but how do you get your community to understand the importance of enrolling in the registry and completing, for example, the questionnaires in the courts registry? Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to start. Yeah. Uh, so I think, um, you know, recruitment is something that's very important and it's also difficult um, from what we have seen, you know, what are some of the hurdles, I guess, um, in our community? I mean, one thing is it takes time and Lee syndrome is a devastating disease and parents who have a child with this disease, they are already very much burdened. And so of course you know it, it's it's a time commitment even though our service are short it really maybe just takes 30 minutes to do but still that that could be a lot for someone like that so mm -hmm. this this makes it hard um i think additionally what's hard is um very frequently at least in our community there's been other registries before and so very often and in general in rare disease very often patients enroll in different programs different registries and then the results are not shared back and they don't really know is it important that they have enrolled is, is anything going on and i've heard that a lot and i also worked with another you know registry before where i've seen actual comments feedback from patients like that so this is um so i'm gonna say why how we are overcoming it but another hurdle is there are many registries, at least in mitochondrial disease, there are many registries, and that can be confusing. Do you enroll everywhere? Do you enroll to just one of them? I think patients might be hearing from all these different registries, so that's uh, that could be hard. So how are we overcoming these, these challenges? Sophia, say, Sophia just, sorry to interrupt and pause there. I think, you know, I just wanted to touch on these hurdles. I, I agree with you. They do come up a lot, and I do want to hear how you've overcome them, but Allison, do you have any hurdles to add to that, that your group yeah, or that you yeah, went sure. through? Yeah. And Sophia, then actually, I want to come back to that. Yeah. So actually, our experience is a little different because we didn't have any registry starting off with. So um, I, I think the challenge is definitely when you have a lot of different registries and how to communicate to your patients what's important. Um, our hurt, our initial hurdle was what is a registry? Oh, <laughs> why why okay. do we need to do this? And so um, I would say that um, just communi uh, communicating to our patients why this is important, um, making sure they understand that their patient that, that that their data was protected. Those were huge hurdles to overcome. Um, and I mean, I think communication is the most important thing. Um, but I would say another hurdle for our patients was um, uh, uh, our, our patients are typically old. It's an adult onset condition um, that can, um, uh, there's FTD and also neuromuscular components. So sometimes you actually using your hands um, is an issue and um, understanding technology and having access to a computer. Um, so um, just just reaching the patients and understanding that um, 
that, that, that there are different options for that. I, I would kind of highlight those those hurdles as well. Okay, so yeah, a little different than what Sophia was talking about too. Uh, Sophia, I want to go back now to how you were saying how you've overcome some of these hurdles because I've seen your group overcome some of these. And like I said, you do such a fantastic job. So I do want to hear more about that. Yeah, sure. So some ways that we are addressing this. So one thing that, I mean, I personally is very strongly believe that communication is everything and transparency is everything. Uh, we, we are very open about the registry, about why we created this registry, what is it doing, what information we are collecting, um, how did we create our service, what are we doing with the data that we receive. That's all anyone can read on our website and anyone who reaches out, they will always get a response. We are very, very open. We are also making it a really high priority to make sure that we share the results and um, in a timely manner, so pretty quickly. So I do data analysis. We also have um, we also have advisors on the registry, and they contribute to that also. And so um, we share either we share through social media, little you know findings interesting observation interesting facts we also share more formally so for example in february that was only about six months after we started the registry we had a poster that we shared at the conference and that was great we highlighted some of the most interesting findings and um, so patients could see that we are really working on that data that they enroll but we'll their time is worth it we are taking mm. all that data and we're turning it into something that can be shared with the medical community, with the patient community, very transparently. Now we are working on um, on a paper. We're about to start working on the paper. So in the paper, we can get into more details than the poster. So we hope that will make even more difference. It will be in a medical journal. So that's very exciting. Um, so again, communications is key. And we, are, we always say, if you, if you have a concern, if you have a, a question, please reach out to us. Please reach out to us and we'll address everything. Um, so additionally, we are very open about people collaborating with us. So like I said, there are many registries. However, we always, what we always say is um, this is what we are doing. And if you want to join in our effort, whether you are a patient or whether you are a researcher or an industry partner, everybody is welcome. So our poster, we had eight authors on it. Now for the paper, we're going to have more because some researchers joined in on this. So um, everyone, we can find a place and a role for everybody to be involved however they want. Um, we have also asked patients who had a good experience with the registry to share and make short videos. So we had patients um, who did that and that was very impactful. We also told our international patients that if they would like, they don't have to do the video in English. They could do it in, in the language that they speak and um, with the subtitles. And so I think that really helped bring the international community into this because they could hear the message from their own, from a patient from their country, in their language. And so I think that was, um, that was really impactful. Sophia, can yeah. I ask you, that's yeah. so interesting, your, uh, your patient videos. Um, how did, did you put it out on social media, Facebook? What, how did you, um, and how many people did you have? We just had three people so far. We put it on, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. We put it on all of our social media. 
and there were a lot of shares for example we had a patient from argentina she did the video and it was very popular it literally almost went viral it had so many shares from you know from argentina as well oh yeah. that's awesome what kind of so what other statistics do you share on social social media like what, what particularly like what kind of facts so just some uh, for example we share a graphic for example time to diagnosis we shared so in mitochondrial disease um, what we hear from previous research is that it could take a long time to diagnosis but actually we found the opposite now register which is interesting we found that only a small percent of our patients had um, time to diagnosis over five years and the rest actually had a short time so we shared that and we try to engage the patients so we say something like this is what we're seeing in the registry is that consistent with with your experience and you know it, i think it engages patients in discussion and in you know in in patients want to enroll to provide uh, their responses so um yeah so just any any numbers any statistics that would look interesting to your community you know um you mentioned about a publication I'll, I'll have to highlight um, that is one thing that uh, that we did. We had a publication um, that was it was published a year and a half ago, and it um, it was amazing the impact that had in the medical community and giving um, validation to our registry and having clinicians start to adopt and um, accept our registry as a valid registry. Um, and so among the clinician community, that was amazing. Um, and it also validated to our patients that their voice mattered. Um, so it was kind of, it was interesting to see the tremendous impact that a medical, a, a publication, a medical journal can have for your patient registry. Um, absolutely. And, yeah. So I'm excited for you that, that you're working on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um, uh, I think what really help uh, is also helping is um, we always make it clear to anyone who reaches out to us that we could show them uh, the summary of our results. So we had the researchers or we had um, representatives from the industry who said, well, we would like to see what's in your data. We want to see more details than, for example, in the post or somewhere else. So we're always happy to have a Zoom call. I have everything summarized and ready, and we can always show whatever they're looking for, whatever you know they're interested in seeing. So that was, uh, I think that's a big factor too, that uh, people know that we have data you know, available and can share what the registry has. Excellent. Yeah, I think that's awesome too, all that you guys both do. But Sophia, I was going to ask, it sounds like you do, you put in a lot of work. Is that fair to say with the foundation to get people to participate in the registry? Absolutely, we do. We share a lot. We um, What we are doing, and one thing we did to increase recruitment, when we were working on a poster, we told patients, if you enroll by a particular date, uh, your your data will contribute towards towards the poster, mm -hmm. and so that definitely increased uh, our enrollment. Now we did the same. We said if you enroll by April 30th, 
your data will contribute towards the paper. I think that really works. And as you know, we also have a giveaway on, uh, on April 30th, so patients can win a gift card. But I think uh, gift cards are very nice, but I think, it's even, I think it's even more important that we tell patients that, you know, if you enroll by this date, this, uh, your data will contribute towards something. So they have a real reason to enroll. Um, so yes, absolutely. We put in a lot of work, but we also enjoy it. Mm, I, okay. I really enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, that's good too. And I heard, I've seen both of you guys do this, but I hear from people too that, you know, the patients or participants, they do want to see what are the results from these questions that I'm answering? What is the analysis? And I know both of your organizations, you guys will do that data analysis. And I've seen both of you do this and you give that back to the community and how important that is. Because yeah, that is gonna entice people or you have people to want to participate. Um, and one of the things too that CORDS will do is if there aren't people, such as yourselves, who are very savvy with data analysis, is thankfully we do have access to um, a team of biostaticians here at Sanford Research who can help with some of those findings and analysis. Um, Allison, I just wanted to ask too, what else do you see as being important when it comes to recruiting to patient registries? What else would you, any advice you would give people? Well, yeah, actually, I did want to mention um, just the, the technical aspect of it yeah. and what a great partner y'all are for us mm. um, because some of our patients um, don't have access to the computer or it, it scares them. And so um, some of our patients have requested paper forms and uh, CORDS mails it to them and then CORDS enters it for, for them and the, the patients mail it back. So. Um, just to eliminate that barrier um, is just such an asset. Um, so we've been able to enroll a few more patients that way. Um, also, um, moving from just a laptop app to more of a mobile-friendly app has been been very um, important to to our patients. Um, other things that we've uh, like hurdles to overcome. Um, the to be able to uh, there's a paper um, Spanish version of our registry mm -hmm. so um, so that that way we can um, have uh, people uh, that speak um, or have Spanish as their native language it opens it up so that um, we're not restricted to English only um, we, we I, I love a lot of registries are um, are only are from one country yeah. and cords because of the infrastructure that you have set up is we're international there are no um, boundaries um, in terms of uh, of being only restricted to a, a certain country so um, that is a huge asset and so we've been able to, to reach uh, many countries that's great to hear. Yeah, I know Sophia's group too. They've recently done some translation with their questionnaire in both Spanish and Portuguese. And I've got another group too that they've now recruited quite a bit through their Japanese, Italian, and French populations because they've been able to get their questionnaires translated too. Um, I do have a question, and I hope I don't regret asking this, but I think it might be a good one. I want to know... What hasn't worked well when it comes to recruiting to the registry for you guys? Ooh, that's 
said loaded question. Yeah, yeah, I know. You could take that in a lot of different ways, but yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good question. I mean, I think um, one thing we would like to have more of that we don't have enough so far is we would like more clinicians to share the registry with the patients. We have some, some that do that, but we would like to have more support especially because Gray syndrome is a rare disease and uh, we view every patient truly counts. Every patient in the world truly counts. And because we, I feel uh, we'll be doing such a good job with the data that, you know, it's everyone who enrolls, you know, their data will be used, all the results will be available. So we would like to have more support from the clinical community. So that's something that we still, uh, we're still working on. You know, yeah, I would oh, love, I, I agree, Sophia. I would love to have more uh, clinicians adopt the registry. And I, I think that's a movement that's happening. Um, but it, it seems like um, clinicians want to have more control where they mm-hmm. see, you know, that they, they if, if they didn't generate the data, then they're less accepting of it. Um, but I think that the um, the increase in uh, patient experience, the need for patient experience data um, has moved the importance of a registry like this so that, um, that, that they're more willing. But I think that's definitely something that's been a challenge, um, especially recruiting to other countries where, uh, especially in Europe, where um, patient empowerment is the physicians um just the way just the the structure of the way the healthcare system is um so that's kind of been a challenge um the fact that it it is only in english versus um the platform being available in other languages um so it's good to have the workaround of the paper copy but it would be a lot nicer if there was a way to to move to being integrated into native languages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that another aspect would be um, that patients don't always have to complete all the questions. So I see um, when I'm looking at the data that that some patients fill out the first page and then they stop. And <laughs> it would be nice to know what caused, why, why they decided to stop. Um, or so there has to be something there that maybe it got too burdensome or if there was a software concern so that we could kind of improve that process. Um, yeah. 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 I wanted so, to add that. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, yeah, it sounds like more metrics surrounding, well, what is the real reason why somebody didn't complete the questionnaire? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what we've been doing with that is we've actually been telling patients which questions are very important to fill in. So, for example, we told them genetic mutation. If you know it, that's very important because that's really needed to find patients for clinical trials, for research. So we've been telling patients to please fill that out um, and to reach out to us if they're having trouble you know, understanding or reading their genetic report or anything like that. We've also been, um, if patients share their contact information with us, we've been reaching out if their genetic mutation wasn't filled in or was filled in incorrectly. So we, we, 
we ha we were reaching out to clarify. So uh, we can't do that with every question, but the most we kind of identified which questions are most important for us. The genetic um, mutation, I would say um, our patient, about 50% of our patients are filling that out. What's, how, how many do you have, we, Sophia? They have it over 90%, but we work hard to get it uh, to that level, but yes, yeah. it, it, it's good. It looks good. It, it's over 90%. I would agree. That's excellent. Yeah, I would uh, back Sophia on that. They've worked very, very hard to get that 90%, though. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes, yes. But what we, we we have to, we need to, this is the first question that we are being asked when we speak to industry or researchers, is they're asking us which mutations are in the registry. So we just know that this is something that we need to have. And we also share it with the patients and they say, look, when we speak to researchers or industry, they always ask us the first question is, what are the genetic mutations? So this way patients know that, you know, again, they know that we are working on this, they know we show this data and they know why, why we are asking for it. For it. We're not just asking, we're asking for a good reason. Yeah. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, anything else that either of you feel, this is, I mean, this is a great conversation and great tips and strategies too. Is there anything else that either of you feel people should know about when it comes to recruiting to the registry? And maybe, do you have any advice for people listening? because I know there will be a lot of advocacy groups listening to this. Any advice to not get discouraged when recruitment isn't really going the way you want it to? Because I, I see that happen a lot. Um, um, for, for us, we thought that we, right now we have 90 in our registry, and we're ultra rare. People said that there's less than 500 in the world. So we were super excited when we started out and we, um, the first year, we pushed it really hard, and we got maybe about 50. We're like, okay, we'll be in a 100 in a year. And now four years later, we're still at 90. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the richness of the data is, is just incredible. So I would say definitely don't get discouraged because even um, the baby steps, they, they add up. <clears throat> and... Um, and so I would, I would just, I would just say continue. Um, I'm going to take some of the ideas that Sophia has for for recruiting to her registry, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go after it. So maybe we'll be over our hundred benchmark in no time. <laughs> yeah, I. So I would like to add. Uh, so one thing is. Um, for the patients who are doing the paper questionnaires, you know, either translations, for example, um, Alison, I don't know if you know this, but courts can do a PDF that's fillable, so patients don't have to mm -hmm. print it out or scan anything. They can fill it in, in the PDF itself and, and send it back. So that's what we did with our Spanish and Portuguese service. So I think that makes it easier. Um, I guess my advice would be for those who get discouraged, I think uh, sometimes we get discouraged too. I mean, discouraging is a part of this because we really care, obviously. We want everyone to enroll. We know why it's important. So, of course, if, if something's not going right, we get discouraged. But I would say um, keep doing it. Keep doing what you are doing. Um, again, I think communication, transparency is the, the biggest thing there is with everyone, with patients. Uh, give patients a voice. Find out what the, you know, what the barriers are. Let patients share 
um, share about the registry, include patients in any conversations, include patients as much as possible, um, be transparent with you know the researchers, the industry, the, the transparency is really key. And um, yeah, I mean, just, yeah, just, I'm, I'm personally happy to help anyone. Uh, and I should say right now we have 170 patients enrolled. We started the registry last September. So it's, I think it's good. It's only been a few months and we have 20, more than 20 countries there, but we, we want to have much more patients. So we still have a very long way to go. Um, and, you know, we, we get discouraged sometimes too, but please, please, um, anyone's welcome to reach out to us. If there's anything I can do to help, I'm happy to help. Um, yeah, so that, that's all for me. Yeah, I think that's great, too. And you both, I just want to say, do such an excellent job, not only recruiting to the registry, but you've done so much for your communities. I've seen all of the things Allison and Nathan have done for their community over the years. And Sophia, I've seen what you and Casey have done in such a short amount of time. If somebody were to want to ask you guys questions, because I feel like you both have such a wealth of knowledge, Allison, how could somebody get a hold of you? Yeah, sure. Um, email would be wonderful. It's allison at curebcp.org. Um, I'm definitely here to help. You can also find us on our website. So um, I would love to chat with anyone thinking about a registry um, and just the good strategies for setting one up. Mm -hmm. And then Sophia, how could somebody get a hold of you too? Yeah, please email me at Sophia, S-O-B-H-I-A at curamita.org. Um, I'm always happy to help. Uh, please follow Curamita on social media. We post updates, including a lot of updates on the registry. You can follow us on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on Twitter, on Instagram. We post updates uh, very frequently. Um, yeah, please reach out. I'm happy to help. I've, I, many others have reached out to me. I can help review the survey. I can help advise on data analysis. So yeah, please, please um, reach out if you need any advice or help or just want to connect. Well, thank you both. And again, I just want to reiterate to anyone listening, both Allison and Sophia, they're wonderful to work with and they really know what they're doing and what they're talking about. They're always happy to help. And like I said, they're great to work with. So I do encourage anybody who is thinking about a patient registry or who is getting stuck in recruitment to the registry. So please reach out to them. Like I said, they're great to pick their brains with. Um, so wrapping up then today, thank you both again for joining me. I think this is a great conversation and I hope that maybe we can have more of these going forward too. Yes, that would be wonderful. Yeah, thank you, Alyssa. You've, Cord's, you and Cord's team have been excellent resources and helpful for us in the whole rare disease community. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I agree with Alyssa. Cord's has been a wonderful partner to us, uh, very responsive, uh, very great to work with, so we're very happy. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening. The theme music for Chordscast is borrowed with permission from Scott Holmes's song, So Happy. To learn more about Sanford Research and our registry, Chords, visit us at sanfordresearch.org slash chords. We'd love to hear from you. Send us your questions, comments, stories, or feedback to chords at sanfordhealth.org. 
Find us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Sanford Courts. The content of Courtscast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. We'll see you next time on Courtscast.